welcome to the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, sponsored by Motivate Training and Management. This is the podcast where we talk to drivers and industry experts to help you maximize your performances on and off the track. Let's get started with today's show. Hello, crew, and welcome to episode 135 of the Motorsport Coaching Podcast. I am your host and founder, Belinda Risley of Motivate Training and Management, and today we're joined by our good friend, Philippa Grana from Media Master Coach, who's going to talk about building better basics. There's lots of golden nuggets to be taken away from today's show notes, so if you haven't already, hope you're sitting down, well, please make sure that you save this episode and refer back to it a little bit later to ensure that you're going to get all the great strategies from today's episode. It is a long one, as it was a free masterclass over in a Sport sponsorship Facebook group. So if you haven't already joined at that free group, make sure you race over to today's show notes and sign up for free. In January and February in 2023, I'll be heading to the eastern states of Australia, Queensland, New South Wales, ACT and Victoria to be running some live one-day workshops around about winning sponsors and making sure that you've got a strategy in place for 2023. So again, that link for those live workshops will be over on today's show notes. So please race to your preferred platform and check out those notes for that live event. All right, let's get started. And of course, if you could forget that, just you can uh, fast forward the podcast to um, play it at 1.5 or 1.75 um, to get through the content a little bit quicker. Let's do it. Right. So this is one of my favorite quotes about, you know, one of the greatest values of coaches is the ability to see ahead what others can't see. And I think when you're at the beginning of your career, there's lots that you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. So that's where people like Belinda and myself, because we've got decades worth of experience, all we want to do is to be able to help you guys and just navigate your way uh, through your career. Now, when I, like I've been working in the industry for 24 years and I've worked with Bathurst winners and Le Mans races and I worked all over the world, but it wasn't until I was working with 15, 16 year olds and I could see the lack of experience they had when they were starting their open wheeler careers. I thought, wow, if only you guys had a 10th of my experience and knowledge, you would be so far ahead of your rivals off the track as you would be on the track with what you can control with your racing. So that's pretty much my motivation in getting into coaching. If you want to skip over, Belinda, to the next one. That's pretty much my um, motivation in getting sorry. into coaching. If you want to I'm trying to multitask, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right for those of you who don't know who I am this is pretty much all the stuff that I've done do you need some media training Belinda yeah cool that's fine I was trying to get comments but that's okay go look we're really relaxed with um with talking tonight so anyway 24 years I've been doing this for those of you who don't know who I am um, I've been a television producer, you know, for over 1,500 hours. I've lived in the Middle East. I've lived here in Australia. I've worked on all continents. I've done everything from working on magazines, TV producing, directing, filming, editing, communications management, operations management. Um, I even taught media at university in Dubai at uh, Murdoch University over there. So I've worked for Auto Action Magazine as deputy editor. I was a producer for the Supercars Championship. I was the media delegate running the Australian Off-Road Championship for five years. I was even on the WAMS committee working with the Women of Australian Motorsport for many number of years before that was disbanded, before the commission started. And then I moved overseas. So um, if you want to skip to the next slide, please, Belinda. 
So here's some highlights. You know, I worked at the Indy 500 as part of Pertec Team Murray. I've run Formula 4 UAE for the last six years. So I did the first six seasons. We were the first FIA-sanctioned open-wheeler category over there. Did global touring cars in South Africa. Um, I've been coaching uh, with Volkswagen over in South Africa. I've worked for Channel 7, Golf 12 Hours. I'm still the media delegate for that. And lately, uh, the last six months, I've been the operations and communications manager for the Haltech V8 Super U Series here in Australia, which I absolutely love. So... Of all of that experience is what I'm bringing in today to help you with these four things, building better understanding of the industry, how you can build better relationships with the press, how to build better media assets to promote yourself, and also what you can do to invest in yourself to build a better you. Now, I'm going to go into some detail, but obviously we have only got like 45 minutes, maybe now half an hour to go through all of this, but it'll open up your eyes to understand this is a serious part of your career. Everyone invests in um, uh, your skill development, whether it's getting a driver coach, uh, getting a nutritionist to help with your food and making sure that you're fueling yourself the right way, a PT, a trainer to be physically uh, fit for, for racing in particular, but not many people invest in media. And just like all of them, if you aren't strong enough, you'll fail on the track. If you don't have the right fuel in your body, you'll fail on the track. If you don't have the right mental strength, you know, the sports psychology training, you won't be mentally able to prepare for when things go wrong, you'll fail on the track. And in media, media can make or break your career as well. So this is why I'm so passionate about this part of the industry because I find that maybe 90% of athletes don't care about media because, like, how many of us have got a mobile phone? So we all think because we've got a phone, We've got Facebook, we've got um, Instagram, we know how to do media, but there's way more in regards to that. So if you want to skip to the first section, we'll talk about just the industry as itself. So this is it. Media is just a communication tool, but it's very, very important because my question usually is when you take away something, that's when you realise the actual true value of that particular item. So if I ask you the question, without the media, Next slide, please, Belinda. How will you find out or how will people find out about you and what you're achieving? No one's going to know. If we had no websites, if we had no social media, if we had no radio, if we had no TV, no one's going to know about you. We're all going to the track and we're doing our racing. We're getting these fantastic results. How are sponsors going to find you? How are news outlets going to find you unless they physically go there? You know, we don't have fax machines and people going to all the events anymore. We need media. You need media if you want to be a professional athlete. So let's go through two aspects I'm going to talk about. One is that media is a business and media is also a competition, just like being on the track. So let's go to the next slide and I'll explain it a, a little bit more I so you understand. Like, I just want to say I feel like that emoji is me. Like that was me. I was like, like we look the same, but it looked like me. Yeah. Going, Hello, where's <laughs> Most athletes, their main goal is to be paid professionally to compete. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. Everybody wants to be paid to do what they love. If you're an artist, you'd love to be paid to be an artist. If you're a chef, you'd, if you like cooking, you'd love to be paid to be a chef. Same thing with being an athlete. Everybody wants to be paid professionally. So let's talk about this business matrix. And this is how it all works and how media fits in to the bigger picture of both what Belinda and I do. So Belinda focuses on a lot of sponsorship stuff, but the media actually is all part of this whole big matrix. So Good results or great media stories about you leads to increased media coverage and more interest in you. When people know about you, then you get more fans and more followership, right? So more fans you have, the bigger an audience you're building, so they're going to follow everything that you're doing. 
that is already a ready-made audience for new sponsors to wanting to partner with you, right? So they can sell their product and service. So if you've got an athlete who's got 3 million followers on Instagram or 3,000 followers on Instagram, who would Red Bull want to sponsor more? The person with 3 million followers because there's a bigger audience for them to sell their product. And that's all sponsorship is, how they can use you as a marketing tool to sell their product. So when you get new sponsors on board so that they can make some profit off you promoting their product, that gives you more financial support, right? So that's sponsorship. That then actually increases your overall value as an athlete, your brand per se, and that then opens up bigger opportunities for you to compete and therefore being paid to compete. So you can see how this is all a big cycle and it all works together. Um, So, But it also goes forward to give you better success and better results and it can go the other way. So bad results, bad media stories leads to decreased media coverage and decreased interview interest in you. Therefore, fans unfollow you. Sponsors don't want to support you. You get less money and you can't compete. So you can see how you get positive spiralling up and negative spiralling down all about the way that you handle your media pretty much. So I've summarised that in the next slide that Belinda will flick over. So this is pretty much a summary. Positive media exposure. You get more interest, more people want to work with you, more sponsors want to pay you to promote their products, more opportunities to compete for better teams and being paid to compete. And the negative side is you lose your reputation, less people want to work with you, less fan base, less sponsors, less income, and you have a bit of a media crisis. Now, I certainly know which side most athletes want to be on. And this is why when you understand how the media can be integral in all of this, you then start to understand what you need to do with yourself, particularly with how you behave. Because a lot of the negative media exposure might be because of a, a scandal or you had a fist fight at a card event or you said the wrong thing in pit lane or, um, you know, we've all, like I said, we've all got these phones, right? So you are not hiding from anybody taking pictures or videos or Instagram live or TikTok live. You can go viral for all the wrong reasons. So 20 years ago when I started in media, I didn't even have any- mp3s right mp3s didn't even exist when i first started in media now we have these things that we can record in our phones like my first phone had a little aerial thing that i had to pull out it was that ancient right so you've got to really be careful in how not only you act with the media but how you're captured on media as well because everyone can be their own little broadcaster these days and that could completely tarnish your reputation so that's the business side of how the sponsorship works in with media now media is a competition and i'll tell you why You are competing against every other athlete in every other sporting code for the same media exposure. There's only so many newspapers. There's only so many stories that can go into magazines. We're a little bit more liberal with social media and website. There's no, like, word count or maximum stories of the day. That'll come down to, you know, editors' decisions. But there's also limited time in radio news bulletins. Uh, Radio hosts can only have a certain number of minutes they can interview you for. So if there's 20 racing drivers racing at a particular event for a local radio station, that station will pick someone. They can't promote everybody. So you're going to have to start thinking about, well, how am I going to differentiate myself from everybody else so I can get this exposure? Same thing with video. People always ask me, oh, how can I get on the the supercars broadcast more? How can someone do a story on me? The producers only have a limited amount of time. So you have to be at your best game either with being successful or having an amazing background story of, you know, overcoming defeat or coming from, you know, from 
from from woes to heroes sort of type sort of story, you've got to actually find some sort of differentiation about why people give you exposure because it will not be handed to you. You you cannot have everyone being covered by the same amount of um, media space. So therefore, you have to start thinking about well, what am I going to do off the track that's going to complement my racing uh, program and how I can be strategic in finding or creating stories about myself that will be more interesting than the other person or the other drivers that you're competing against. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, Ryan Titus one before. He goes, he went from a little car to a big car. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and there's more, more exposure and there's more, more um, responsibility and more things come at you, but there's also more competitors. There's more finances. People are putting more money behind other athletes to be promoted you know you may not have a sponsor and your competitor may have a massive sponsor like a mcdonald's so you know that that competitor is going to get coverage because of the branding on their race car or if you've got nothing on your race car it's not as appealing to watch so how are you going to find ways to promote yourself even if you don't have sponsorships that's where you need to have someone like us to be able to work with you and find out the stories and be able to to come up with ideas to be able to promote you a bit better can yeah. I just give a little tip there, Philippa? Because yes, sponsorship's my thing. Um, so with McDonald's, um, they are all franchised owned. So yeah. um, and a lot of them have the community funds. So McDonald's is kind of one of the easiest ones, especially if you live regional um, yeah. and you have a local McDonald's. That they, they're actually more inclined to actually give away sponsorship because they generally do have a budget that they have wow. to invest every year. So. Again, if you live regional and there's one or two McDonald's, normally it's the same franchise or that owns both of them. Um, mm-hmm. And so especially even like, say, Townsville, I'm not saying like whatever, but like where your national series runs, um, that um, if you're coming to there, it's actually a lot easier to get a McDonald's than actually on a national basis that you need to go to the franchise. That's fantastic. See, that's why you do sponsorship perfectly. <laughs> Just say. <laughs> well, that's a great idea. Um, and... Like I said, you know, the number one goal for us is that most athletes want to be paid professionally. And, you know, when I work with young ones, particularly, you know, 10 to 15 years of age, they don't understand what that is. It's like you have to pay somehow to go racing. So it's either going to be mum and dad going to be paying for it, it's going to be yourself paying for it, or it's going to be a sponsor. So, in, in, you know, a lot, Belinda's a lot of good training explaining the difference, t- different types of sponsorship. There's monetary sponsorship, there's product sponsorship, there's service sponsorship. So you don't need, need to get money from someone. You can actually, you know, go to someone to help supply, um, you know, your accommodation, get an accommodation partner or a, or a travel partner or a food and beverage partner or something like that to help out with some of the, the running costs. But, you know, we don't, we're not doing sponsorship tonight, but there's, the things to be thinking about and obviously speaking to you Belinda about that to help you know athletes go through that so what I want to just show you guys is um Forbes highest paid athletes for 2022 now this quote is phenomenal today's sports stars are much more than athletes their marketing yeah. goal for the world's biggest brands and entrepreneurs themselves at the highest levels making for more money off the field than on it now these are just some athletes that I picked out of the top 20 so you've actually got to go down to 17 before Lewis Hamilton. I think Tiger Woods is about 14. The highest paid female is Naomi Osaka. Now, have a look at the asterisks. So LeBron James, Stephen Curry, Roger Federer, Tom Brady and Naomi all make more money off the field than they do on the field. 
So that goes to show that there are other forces that you need to consider if you want to make a massive income. So you can't just rely on being paid to be a racing driver or to be a basketballer over in America or to be a soccer player in Europe. You know, it's off the field comes from sponsorship, comes from endorsements. And how do companies sponsor you? By knowing about you. How do they know about you? Because of your profile, because of your media activations before, you know, ha, you know, Google yourself. This is a really good tip. Google <laughs> yourself and see how many positive stories are about you or negative stories are about you. I can, guarantee, I can guarantee you and Belinda will agree that when companies are looking at sponsoring athletes, they will Google them. They will find any web presence, websites, social media. They'll sniff you out. They'll stalk you. They'll find anything that you're doing to find out, are you going to be representing my company and my brand the way that I want to be able to grow my company? So you've got to tidy up all of the off the field, off the track, off the court presentation of yourself to match the professional that you want to be on the track if we're just talking about motor racing in particular. So what is a brand, right? Athletes are brands. Let's go to the next slide. We know that brands are companies or products like Coke and Red Bull and Domino's and Under Armour, but people, Roger, Lewis, Shaquille O'Neal, Toby Price, these guys are brands. What are brands? Brands are something that is worthy of being invested in, right? What contributes to building your brand? It's how you behave. It's how you present yourself. It's the things that you say, that you do, what you stand for as an athlete, how you treat others and how people perceive you. Do you want people to say, oh, I don't like that Philip Iguana racing chick. She's a beep, 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 beep. <laughs> or, or, oh, I really like Philippa. She's a, she's a real professional athlete. You know, she doesn't go and do calendar shoots and all the rest of it, right? Or I really like Lewis Hamilton because he represents, you know, his brands and he's great with fans. Or I don't like... Um, you know, uh, let's just say it was a, a tennis player who throws their racket into the stands, like Nick Kyrgios, right? <laughs> he abuses people in the stands or, you know, because he's aggro or he's big mouth, you know. How are people perceiving you? Is it positive or is it negative? And that's going to go a long way with building your brand. And unfortunately, if you get into a media scandal and the press and stories about you are really negative, it's going to tarnish your brand and that's going to tarnish your reputation as a whole and your value in trying to build those sponsors and build the connections with top teams, uh, top companies, top team owners, top categories. You won't make it all the way if you've got negativity coming through. So when we talk about you as a brand, ask yourself, would you sponsor yourself? Do you think that you are worthy of being a representative of a particular company? Should people be investing in you? So they're going to ask a fair few questions. You know, how do you behave? What's your attitude like? Let's go to this next slide, Belinda. So these are the three main things, all right? And this does come down to media, and I'll tell you why in a second. So how you're dressed, how you present yourself. Is your suit, race suit done up or do you just walk around in your racing underwear? Can you see your sponsors? Are you representing your brand's positively or negatively how are you acting in public can you control your emotions or do you get into fistfights at the local carnival are you acting worthy of sponsorship are you kind to other competitors do you fight a lot these are questions to ask yourself what do you stand for because in the end you never know who's going to take photos or videos of you you never know which sponsors are watching you you never know how fans are um, forming opinions of you they could be at the racetrack and they could see you going off in a huff and a puff and then you'll lose 
you know, potential fans, where if you're kind to fans and signing autographs and taking pictures with them, they're going to be more um, more open to wanting to support you. You never know even if strangers could bring you your next opportunity. Now, there's so many stories about, you know, young drivers going out for dinner with their parents and at the next table, the wife of a CEO of a particular company that you're going to have a meeting with tomorrow for sponsorship overhears you being really derogatory to the wait staff or acting like a sport brat. Do you think that wife of the CEO is going to go to her husband and say, hey, I think you should sponsor that kid? I don't think so. So this is where you always need to be on. Even though you may not have a camera in your face, a video in your face, if you're going to be a professional athlete, you need to always be switched on whenever you leave your home. Um, another tip I want to talk to you about you as a brand, if we go to the next slide, and I love this one, it's the most ultimate example of being in the public line. Now, a lot of kids that I work with, particularly over in Open Wheelers overseas, you guys work so hard, right? You're busting your backside to get on the podium or to win a race and you might be pipped to the post by like a thousandth of a second. You get up on the podium and you're like, not happy, right? Because you got beaten. I can tell you, if the press are going to publish photos of the podium, do you want a sourpuss face to be published in magazines or on websites? Nice. I No. When I used to run F4 UAE, I would always send all of our photos to the FIA. Do you want the global governing body of motorsport to see you looking unappreciative of being on the podium? No. Do you want your local governing body, Motorsport Australia, seeing this published on the website? I can tell you now, if I saw that, I'd be like, who is that guy on the left? And I'd be, you would be attracted, doesn't matter who, what your name is, or how far up the ladder of motorsport you go, this is proof of how you behave and how you don't because you never know who's going to be watching you or forming an opinion of you. This is about your brand. Already your brand's tarnished if you're going to act like that on the podium. So let's let's wrap this bit up with the next slide. And as I said, you know, most athletes focus on personal training, skills coaching, sponsorship, sports psychology, nutrition, but not many actually learn the importance of media and brand. Yeah, this so can you, you can you can understand now after all the things, and even though it's just about understanding the industry, how important the media is, how important understanding what goes on behind the scenes is. And for you to get attention, like I said before, you know, you've got limited amount of media opportunities to promote yourself, limited amount of stories in newspapers or magazines, on TV and on radio. How are you going to get someone's attention? You need to do something different to everybody else. So let's talk about building relationships. I can, I'm going to be harsh with this. No one's going to give you free publicity. You have to work for it and you have to get used to it as well. And I know it's really hard when you're like, 13, 14, 15, you know, coming through the ranks, you're like, you just want to sit in the back of the garage and you just want to be on your phone and checking social media and you don't want to introduce yourself because it's getting out of your comfort zone. Unfortunately, if you want to make a professional career out of motorsport, you need to get used to this because you're going to be changing categories, meeting new people. I mean, even in the Super Ute series this year, we've had drivers come from GR86 and they come to Super Utes and then we've got kids from go-karting and then I meet a lot of other different people from different categories. You're going to meet new people all the time. So you have to keep practicing these skills of building better relationships with everybody that you come into contact with. So what does the media expect of you? Let's start from basics. If you want to be a professional athlete, let's go to the next slide, you have to start acting like one. If you want media coverage, you have to go after it, 
All right. You have to be proactive, proactive in supplying information to the media. Be willing to work with any interview requests. If you're in a particular category, like tell your category manager or media manager, anything that you want me to do, I'll go to it. An appearance, autograph session, interviews, I'll do it. Be open to new opportunities. Offer ideas for stories. Um, practice your interviews. You need to be a good speaker because if all you're going to give me is a one-word answer, yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Do you think I'm going to come back and interview again? I'm not going to. So you need to be professional. You need to be engaging. You need to be confident with yourself and your ability. Not cocky, but there's a difference between cocky and confident. And be honest as you can. You've got to understand, most of us media have been around for a while. So we know if you are telling us a furphy, if you're like, we can see what happens on the track. We know how your car is behaving. Are you going to be lying about the car or yourself? What are you covering up? We sort of know what's going on. So always be as honest as you possibly can. Now, what does the media expect from your category and how do you participate in that? Well, what type of media events do you need to, to do when you're a racing you know, racing, uh, racing driver. So when you're starting, these are sort of things that you should be expecting the media to want from you and the category gets these things so they can promote you. So you'll get official headshots taken. There'll be autograph sessions. There'll be public appearances. You'll do sponsor or team commitments. There'll be commitments for the category. Um, you'll do interviews with the, you know, the, the, the category videographer or the category media communi uh, communications manager to write press releases or um, session reports on the website. If you're in the podium, the top three, please smile, like I said before. <laughs> please offer, offer your thoughts and not, yeah, the race was good, the car was good, yeah, I feel good, we'll do better next race. We'll talk about interviews in a sec, but we need to start building on this, you know. Media coverage, you need to be proactive if you want to get it. This is the freest way you can get media coverage, introduce yourself. How will the media know about you if you don't start a conversation? I remember when I was doing TV for Aussie Racing Cars many, many, many moons ago. And my first event, I had one driver come up to me going, oh, hi, I'm Joe Bloggs. When am I going to get my TV interview? I said, oh, that's very interesting. I never really had you on my TV interview schedule, but I'll let you know if, if you, if you uh, come up with my options. Now, that was a bit cocky of him, but do you think I remembered him? Of course I did. Yeah. So I kept an eye on what he was doing. And then when he did well, I'm like, right, you now deserve a TV interview. So you have, even if you're going to be smart like that, that's fine. We get it. But you've got to stand out. Be proactive in offering information about yourself. Be open to TV and radio and, and um, contact your local radio stations. Contact your local newspapers. We still have community and shine newspapers in Australia. You know, keep information flowing on your social media channels. Write updates or press releases, whatever you want. Send us information. Let's, one example, the Bathurst 1000. There may be 300 racing drivers across six, seven categories. Who knows, right? Co-drivers, etc. There's only a certain amount of media. Do you think they have time to come and see every driver that's competing at that event? They don't. So this is where... If you have your media assets, your media information and your confidence to go and introduce yourself and find the key people that are covering your category, you go a long way with them remembering you. And then also if you offer stories, you may actually get coverage because no one else is asking for it. I can guarantee you the amount of drivers that go up to press at something like the Bathurst 1000 is minimal, minimal. It really, really ever happens. I've only ever had three or four racing drivers in my history of working with kids in F4 um, actually send me messages on Instagram and Facebook before they've competed to introduce themselves. 
Am I going to go to see them or somebody else on my first day of the first round? Them, of course, because they've made the effort. So people don't realise, athletes don't realise that you have assets already around you when you're competing now. Cart clubs, um, uh, local state championships, uh, national championship, no matter what it is, you have category managers, communications managers, category photographers, you've got contacts from your team. There's journalists that are writing about your category. These are so many people that you can actually offer your information and start building relationships with. And it's all for free. It's not going to cost you a thing. All it's going to cost you is a bit of confidence and just reaching out. Like I said, not that many people are doing this. So if you're the one that is actually doing it, you're going to get way further than people that aren't. Now, the bottom one's interesting. Team owners that you may want to compete with one day. Um, when I was doing an interview with Brett Murray, who owns, you know, speedcafe.com, um, he's been a big mentor of mine throughout my career. And he said, why don't you identify the key people in your industry, right? So just Google their, Google their names, whether it's a Roland Dane, a Neil Crompton from a TV, uh, whoever else it is in pit lane, different teams, put their fa- print out their photos, put them up on your wall and recognise them. So then when you see them in the paddock, you go, oh, that's Roland, or oh, that's Charlie Schwerker, or oh, that's Tim Edwards, right? We're talking about supercar team owners. Go and say hello. Go and introduce yourself. There was a story actually the other day of Lewis Hamilton talking about when he got his OAM from Prince Charles. He had originally met Prince, well, King Charles now, was Prince Charles mm-hmm. when he first met him at a at a, a karting event years and years and years ago um, that that the prince was there. And when he got his uh, OAM and his, or his knighthood from King Charles, he said, oh, you've come a long way. He was remembered. So you can build relationships with people from your very early career that will remember you. And I still keep in contact with so many young kids that I worked with six, seven years ago. Everyone you meet, you never know what opportunity they're going to be able to bring to help build your profile, build connections, um, get you into better seats. The, the opportunities are endless, but you have to do it. You cannot sit on your backside and expect people to give you coverage. So I'm going to talk about now just some assets that I think all athletes should look at. Number one. A media kit. Doesn't matter how you do this. There's lots of different things. But I'm going to tell you something now. If you are at, let's just say you go to the Ferrari Driver Academy um, uh, camp, right, over in Sepang, like a lot of young Aussies did in the last couple of months, you go there and you get the attention of people that make decisions at Ferrari and they're really interested in you. Of course, they're going to already do their research. But let's just say there's news outlets there, there's big CEOs of companies there. And they say, oh, I want to know a bit more about you. I want to write a feature story about you. Can you just send me some information? Do you have that ready? 99% of athletes don't have that ready. They don't have a CV that's accurate or updated. Maybe they updated it three years ago and it's a bit out of date. They don't have summary of all their achievements or stats or the timeline of what they've done. They don't have all of their good photos um, compiled together. So I always tell athletes, create a media kit. I don't care how simple it is. Get your information ready because if you can say to them, oh, absolutely, I'll send it to you this afternoon or you wait a week, oh, it was nice to meet you a week ago when we were doing such and such. By the way, here's my bio. It's too late. You've missed the opportunity. A lot of times these days when it's coming to social media, websites, um, instant updates, we need information now. And you've got to think as well, journalists don't have the time to Google you. And if they do Google you, 
or try to find information about you, 95% of the time it's inaccurate. This is why I say to athletes, it's really good to have a website because a website is the ultimate authority in everything that you are and what you've achieved. So if you don't have a website that's official, do you think journalists have the time to scroll through a thousand Facebook posts or 50 Instagram story stories to find? We don't. We don't. So you have to make things easy for the press. What was that? Yeah. I said you've always got to have a website. And the most important thing of the why you need to have a website, not only for search engine optimization and like you were just saying about um, saving um, responses from searching, but also you own that asset. So with yeah. Um, so with social media accounts, we actually don't own them. And, um, you know, a few years ago, Facebook had that glitch and a lot of us got shut down. Um, and, you know, anyone anyone's account can get shut down overnight. Um, we've got all those cyber attacks happening at the moment. Like with mm-hmm. the website, at least it's a kind of an IP, it's an asset that we actually own. And, to, and it's a Absolutely. great way. There's lots of different things that you can do with on that website to help sponsors mm-hmm get sponsors uh, and obviously to to grow your own and to monetize that website as well. Absolutely. You just have to be in control of the information that you send out or you make available because if you aren't in control of it and other people are, then you can't control the stories or the publicity that you get. And this is really important when it comes to your brand, you need to protect your brand and via the media is the easiest way to do that, be in control. This is just a couple of examples. So I worked with Lincoln. So Lincoln Taylor went over for the FDA at Sepank a couple of months ago. We did a really simple couple page um, timeline with his success, contact information, um, Ben Taylor, these two Taylors aren't related, by the way. One's off road, one's in So I've been working with Ben Taylor, who's in um, Oz F3 with Fatima Macro Racing for a couple of years now. So we did his own bio, but he was a bit more graphical since he's been doing a lot more. You can design it however way you want. A lot of people can use things like Canva to design a, a, a basic CV, ba- basic document. You don't have to spend lots of money to put this together, but you just need to keep accurate records. You need to make sure that um, that information is handy and compiled. So when someone does ask for it, you've got it. Second asset is your social media or your digital channels. Do you have website? Do you have social media? Do you have YouTube? Do you have LinkedIn? What do you have? And if you haven't, why are you using it? There's You need to use each for different reasons. Like Belinda said, your website you own. Website's the ultimate authority in the most accurate information about you because you can control all the information that goes on it. Social media is more interactive with fans, interacting with companies, you know, um, working with sponsors, creating viral content, etc., to boost your media brand and boost your followership. YouTube is for more serious athletes that want to, you know, do blog, you know, you know, vlogs or behind the scenes feature stories. When I was at um, the Holden Racing team, I was the first ever social media manager in Supercars, and we created a lot of content for YouTube. It was um, features before every round, feature stories during every round. So you can build a YouTube channel if you're going to invest um, in having a videographer with you, which is a lot of money. Um, and LinkedIn is obviously for networking to, you know, meet people that work at various companies for sponsorship and racing team owners and team managers, etc. So what digital channels do you have? And next, let's go to the next slide. You need to do an overhaul. You need to check what you currently have. So I'm going to Um, put a test to everybody here tonight, go and look at your social media. Check your images and check your logos. 
Check your profile image on your Facebook and your Instagram. Can you see all of your face? Can you see all of your car? Or can you see all of your logo? Or have you chopped half of it off? A lot of people put logos up in their profile images and, and the corners are cut off because profile images are circle. What about your cover photo for Facebook? Is it high resolution? Are all your images pixelated, which means that they're too low of a resolution, that they don't look like they're professional photos? Look at detail. Don't miss any of the detail because sponsors will look at your social media as well and make sure to see how professional you are. Your biography is your summary blurb on your social media up to date. One thing I see a lot on maybe Instagram, say you're um, a Toyota 86 racer, your next event is um winton in may but we're already in september and you've still got oh next event is winton in may do you think that's gonna look professional to people if you've got your bio update up to date and out of date it's not is it so make sure all of your blurbs and all your information across your social media is accurate same thing with your website you know, do you have old stories on your homepage of your website? Does it look like that you haven't been on your website for six years? Does it look like you haven't been on your social media for five years? If you're not using something, then definitely um, hide it or make sure that people can't see it. So it's really important to make sure all of your social media is as up to date and as clean and professional as you possibly can make it. I'm just going to interrupt there. We've got a question that's come through from Ben from BBM um, Livery and Design, and he wants to know, uh, can you live without a web page and just social media? But, again, he's like he does design work, so more of a business in motorsports as as opposed to being an athlete. Um. You, 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 a lot, yeah, a lot of companies, talking from a company point of view, a lot of companies can survive without websites. It depends on what you want to use it for. Is it just for information? Is it for selling products or not? A lot of people can just run businesses on Instagram. You can see how many influencers, you know, sell product via social media these days. Um, a lot of um, businesses, whether it's a livery design or part suppliers, just use Facebook or just use Instagram to sell content. No matter what you do, you need to be uniform and have consistency across whatever channel you have. You need to stick with your brand and you need to make sure that all your information is accurate. Accurate. So there is there is bio information that you can put on your Facebook page. There are even um, um, third-party apps like Linktree and, and, and things like that where you can create um, as a link in your bio for Instagram that will lead people to various shops or an Etsy shop or a Shopify shop or something else or a phone number or how they can reach you. So there are ways that you can get around it. Um, you don't necessarily have to have a website, but if I had a business, I would just even buy the URL so that nobody else can take that asset because if that's your business and that's your trademark, then it doesn't need to cost you a lot of money these days. Like you could you could buy a URL for less than 10 bucks depending on what your um, you know, whether it's .com.au or a .com website. And even if you, I reckon even if you had just, you know, a $100 or $200 because, I mean, the hosting of a website is uh, the most expensive part. For a couple yeah. hundred bucks a year, it's it's amazing how many website builders there are when you buy a URL that you could actually do yourself to have that presence to to add to your media assets. So you can get away with not having it, but it's always good to have it because when people are Googling you, then you'll get more SEO from websites than you would from social media channels popping up in in search when people are trying to find you on the internet. Cool. Um, so this, this is just an example of just some Facebook covers. So Lewis, you know, you can see all in their Facebook covers, they're professional, 
Lewis has got a candid shot of him as his profile photo. Um, ben on the top right has got um, his racing profile photo. Supercars has got a logo, which is a bit different. And then Roger's got an in-action photo of him while he's competing. So it doesn't matter what you have in your in your imagery, make sure it's clean and professional and nothing's cut off. The third thing is to create a media plan. Now, a small media plan is better than no plan at all. Just think about a couple of things. Which platforms your category is active on, what your sponsors need you to create, and also think about what platforms you might be comfortable with. You may only be comfortable with having a Facebook page or you may only be comfortable with having an Instagram. Whatever it is, is fine. Just do it well and do it professionally as much as you can. You don't need to have thousands of dollars to have social media, but you can have consistent, basic, clear, professional updates so people know that what you're doing. So it can be anything from, you know, create a schedule pre-event, during the event. You can do press releases or just updates daily on your social media. Um, if you're going to take photos or get a photographer, make sure you create an album. Uh, you can do video summaries and using your phone is perfectly fine. You don't have to spend thousands on um, expensive equipment. And if you do have a website, make sure it's constantly updated. We don't want to see something that had a, a story the last time was three, four years ago. It's okay to work within your budget. That's the most important thing. I think people think, oh, I've got to have all this money to be able to do social media and get exposure. You don't. This is like social media is for free, right? Saving your URL, your your handles on Facebook and Instagram is for free. Taking a photo with your own phone is for free. You don't have to spend a lot. So I, I, I was going to say, I just think now that um, people's biggest challenge is the actual resources and they, their time to do all of this. And, and I yes. think that sometimes when people starting out in the industry, they don't realise that if they're wanting to take it from a hobby into a career, um, yeah. that there are all of these elements to make a successful race car driver and it's not just race results. And so the more yeah. that they dive into it, to like what does yep. a skill or what success look like for a motorsport athlete, there are all of these different elements they've got to consider. So it does become down to, to a time and a resource things. But like you said at the beginning of today's presentation, they're all just as important as one another. Um, Absolutely. But if, if people don't know who you are, um, then, of course, then, you know, you're not going to gain sponsorship. So I think yeah. you know, if you want to be a professional athlete that has a profile that gets sponsors and gets fans, you're going to have to make some effort. You yeah. cannot have no digital media presence um, and still be successful. Long gone are the days where just your results on track will get you the coverage, you know. So you have to put effort into something. And it doesn't matter whether you're – I see a lot of athletes going, oh, I'll compete on the weekend but I'm too busy, so I'll put an update on Monday or Tuesday. If that's your thing, that's fine. You can do that. So you, what you're doing in your early years is you're building a bank of images and updates on your social media that shows history, which is important so people see how long you've been competing for. But if you're going to up the ante with your professionalism as a professional athlete, you have to do it more. You have to do daily updates. You have to, whether it's good or bad, you know, only people want to talk about the good things, not the bad things. But it's okay to say that you struggled. It's okay to be honest. Um, you know, Ben, one of my drivers, so I do complete media management for him. He's had a really difficult year technically with engine issues, et cetera, in, in Formula 3. But we still find ways that we can talk about it. We still find updates that we can put on social media, whether it's for his boxing, whether it's um, stuff he's doing at home with his training, nutrition, other coaching, um, whether it's just photo flashbacks from previous events. There's always something that you can be posting and definitely something every day at the events, good or bad. Well, so, now, so, so like within in that um, 
group that we're currently in now, the Most Sports Sponsorship on Facebook free group. Um, yeah. Every month um, I put out a free content planner for just within the group. Um, and it's got different concepts around what they can actually promote good and bad. Um, and it's only like a few pointers around how they can implement it. Well, there you go. So you're already, already one step ahead by being in the group. You're already educated on, on this stuff. So another thing that um, is really important to remember is that anything to promote you is an asset, right, is your media asset, whether it's a biography, whether it's a social media channel, whether it's a website, or whether it's your competition. <laughs> Whether it's your competency in interviews, the media expects you to provide complete answers to questions. Who you are, what you've raced, why you're racing, when you've competed, what you've done, right, where you're competing and how successful are you. And if you look at those red words, this is actually like a bit of an insight to journalism. These are the key six things that as journalists we always cover in our stories. Who, what, why, when, where, how. They're the six main things that are the backbone of press releases and how to put as much information in a press release as succinctly as possible, how to put your biographies together, how to put your racing updates together. And it's usually, if I was a TV producer or if I was a journalist coming to interview an athlete, these are the things that are. So tell me a bit about you. What have you done before? So why are you here? Oh, when did you last compete? And when are you going to be testing again next? Where have you competed? Have you raced overseas or just here in Australia? Tell me about your success. How have you done? So already in just that last 20 seconds, I've asked you six questions that I can guarantee you every time you are interviewed in the early ranks of your career, you will be asked these over and over and over again. If you're a junior in state level or national level just in Australia, you're not overseas yet, you're not going to be asked about politics, US presidential election, the Australian prime ministership elections next year. You're not going to be asked about Black Lives Matter, any social campaigns. You won't. You just need to be proficient in answering these questions and obviously giving more than one answer. And a lot of athletes are scared about interviews. They're like, oh, what are you going to ask me? This. This is the same when they come on the podcast. Uh, but we've got a little tip for you guys. Um, so, Phil, but I do encourage um, all like the junior athletes and those that are just getting started into media training that these, yeah, are the six core questions that we ask. And then I get them to interview their fellow competitors. Um, oh. And so they can set up the their iPhone or Android yep. just on the end of the trailer and start to practice their media skills, A, asking questions, and B, being asked those questions. But start yep. with your friends, start with someone that you feel comfortable with, and then mm -hmm. start to, to expand that interview yeah because an interview is just a conversation between two people that's it and don't be scared about what you're going to say because you as an athlete are the most equipped in answering questions about yourself you. <laughs> you, you know more about yourself than other people do you know what you've done how successful you are um what your ambitions are ambitions are where you want to go with your career these are all the questions are going to be asked and you already know the answer so no one else has got authority to answer those questions on your behalf you do so take confidence from that but yeah practice practice with mates practice with your fellow competitors or teammates at the track practice with your mum and dad practice in the mirror in the bathroom in the shower whatever it is don't rehearse your answers so that you sound like a broken record or like you sound like a robot but just start to become comfortable with talking about yourself in all those different areas what you've done today what your ambitions are why you're here in this particular category and here's another tip that a lot of people don't think of and I think 
as um, I work with different athletes here in Australia, a lot of them have international ambitions. You want to go over to Sepang maybe for the Ferrari Driver Academy selection camp or doing something at Paul Ricard for the FIA or whatever it is or going to try to do a Toyota racing series in New Zealand, whatever it is. When you go overseas, those people running those events or those categories love nothing more than you talking positively about their country and their championship and your experience as their guest. So you've got to understand that if you go to someone else's country as a guest and you don't like it and you say it, do you think you're going to get welcomed mm-hmm. back? Do you think people are going to want to give you coverage? I, I had a, a kid who he won our F4 UAE championship. He's actually the son of the, the gentleman who owns Audi WRT in Europe. So Charles was our F4 UAE champion and then he came back 12 months later and won the Golf Sports Car Championship. And one of the stories, I was working with one of the junior journalists in Dubai and he didn't know what to ask. I'm like, ask how amazing it is that the first two championships this kid's ever won has been in the United Arab Emirates. Talk about how fantastic that is. That will get a run in local papers. It will give you extra coverage in the country that you're competing in and build rapport with those international journalists because it makes it look like that you are actually appreciative of the opportunity of, of being there. Um, you know, it's like internationals coming to Australia. Do you think we're going to welcome back someone from Europe who hates kangaroos and hates Vegemite and all that sort of stuff? Like, <laughs> be open to trying cultures. Be open to to um to seeing the positive in everything that you do. A lot of people forget about that when you're travelling overseas. So if you are a young one that wants to go and do world carding titles over in Europe or going to do open wheelers, just keep that in the back of your mind. So another thing to remember when you're prepping for interviews, a lot of kids like, oh, do you have to ask me another question? Why are you asking me so many questions? I'll tell you the number one reason probably why. You're not giving enough information. The more information you give in your answers, the less questions journalists are going to ask you that you're going to have to answer, the more media they're going to love you and they're going to want to talk with you more. So if you... If I asked you, okay, well, Linda, so, you know, welcome to um, uh, the uh, Formula 3 Asia Championship. Tell me a bit about you. Oh, well, I raced go-karts in Australia. Okay, so what was your success like? Oh, yeah, I won a couple of national titles. Okay, and where else have you competed in? What are your aspirations? Can you see already I'm asking you multiple questions because your answers are so short, right? So the shorter your answers are, the more the journalists are going to ask you questions to get more out of you or they're just going to give up and walk away. So when you're practising your answers about yourself and your ambitions and what you're doing, think of how you can answer a question completely. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to this week's show. I really hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. Now, remember, all the show notes with the links and the specials mentioned in today's show are available over at motivatetraining.com.au. If you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if you could head to iTunes or Stitcher, type in Motorsport Coaching, subscribe, and leave us a review. Each week, I'll read them out, and you'll go into monthly draw to win a fantastic prize. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at motivatetraining.com.au or head over to our Facebook page at Motivate Team. Until next time, take care.